Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar on YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www patreon.com forward slash from the shadows you can receive books stickers coffee mugs and special content just for our patreon subscribers check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer well that's all i have for you right now folks and thanks for being a part of the from the shadows podcast family so with that being said let's get this episode started Hey everyone, welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host Shane Grove, and with me as always is the super producer Jason. What's up? Greetings everybody, and how are you doing Shane? It's a long day at the post office today, my friend. A long day at the post office. Let me tell you, it's like Christmas never stopped. Oh yeah, so, uh, I believe it. And I'm, but except nobody's leaving me any cookies or you know gift cards for Panera Bread or anything like that. So I'm not exactly, I'm not feeling the love. Like I usually do at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, we're super excited. Jason, I've been pumping up this tonight's guest, you know, to you. And, and I wish the judge could have been on with us tonight. But, uh, you know, as I introduce this gentleman, the, there's, only one, there's only one way I can introduce him, okay? He is... The History Channel's version of Josh Gates. That's the only way I can look at it. He's he's like the History Channel's moneymaker. That is that that's a is very that, good would that, introduction. Would that be a good way to introduce you, Matty Blake? The the History Channel's version of Josh Gates? I'd prefer that Josh Gates is the Discovery Channel's version of Matty Blake, but there uh, you go. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, hey. Jason, off the record, that's what you call putting it on a T for your guest, right? <laughs> putting it on a T. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I've never met him. He's a, he's a New England. I think he's from Massachusetts, like I am, coincidentally. Um, we've never crossed paths. We've never met. Um, 
but yeah, there's some definite parallel there. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I, I feel like I've been doing this for 30 years, almost. It's 25 years anyway. So I don't know how long he's been doing on-camera stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like someday we might cross paths, he and I. Shouldn't that? Just, I mean, you would think that that would have to happen, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. But but who who breaks first? Does he break and go? Maddie, I'm a huge fan of yours. Or you to go, Josh, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> well, it's 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 different networks, so I don't know that you know it would have to probably be a secret a secret Skype or something at first. I don't know <laughs> how that works, but uh, yeah, I think he's fantastic. So for what that's worth, he's listening. Well, for hey, for my money, you're the, you're number one because you're on our show and Josh Gates is. So that's just, amen. You know, that's how I'm. There you go. So so Maddie, for all of our listeners. Introduce yourself and kind of give them a background of, of, of why we would even have you on the show if they don't know you. And if they don't know you, shame on that. But, I, you know, we'll chastise them later. <laughs> well, you know, I guess I'm, I'd, I'd be most known to your audience for being the host of Drilling Down, which is the Curse of Oak Island Companion show. Uh, I've been doing that for uh, six years, and I'm also the co-host uh, of Beyond Oak Island, which had its first season this year, and that's the spinoff show. So basically, I do two spinoff shows that are uh, that have spun off the Curse of Oak Island, which is history's uh, mega hit about gentlemen, a team of, of people hunting for treasure on Oak Island. Yes, and that's and that is, I mean, I think that's the most popular unscripted show on television, right? Is that the label they give it? Yeah, it's the it's the most it's the number one rated non-scripted show on cable television, yes. And I want to add to all of our listeners that I believe Rick is a retired mailman, yes? No? Yeah, I hear you saying you, you were at the post office yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. In fact, you know what's funny about that? This whole the post office coming up is I'm speaking on April 1st, um, I think it's via Zoom conference, to the – I think it's the um, – I don't know if it's the national or the, or the New England regional uh, post office workers, um, like their big meeting. You probably you probably have an email about it if it's, if it's national. It might be just New England, but I'm speaking to all postal uh, employees as their like keynote on April 1st, actually. So I, that's that's my time. Post office. <laughs> are you are you are you serious? I swear. I mean, we, yeah, I swear. We we don't get anything cool like that in our region. What the heck's going on? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it is regional if you didn't get an email. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have the details in front of me, but I know Colleen, who you dealt with, does my scheduling. And I just know it was in my book. Well, first, United States Postal Service uh, Zoom. So that's all did, I know. You, did you did you scratch your head and, and wonder, like, what, what am I going to talk to the post? The post <laughs> yeah, they sent a thing. I'll be, I'll be ready when, when the day comes. <laughs> hey, lots of dog jokes. Uh, lots of packages. It's a, it always, that's always, it's always a great topic of conversation. Or, be, or terrible boss jokes. Not that we have terrible bosses at the post office, but you know, it's always good to joke about. <laughs> and uh, and for and for our listeners, I think you have um, you're the host of a couple pretty popular podcasts yourself. Well, just one. I, I did a very popular podcast that kind of grew into a bit of a monster because it was called Monsterland. Um, <laughs> and, and that my, my partner, um, 
my partner couldn't do it anymore. And so um, I started a new one with a new partner, and that is called Rated P for Paranormal. And that's with Anthony Arkin, who is uh, the famous actor Alan Arkin's son and a really talented filmmaker and actor in his own right. He's had an unbelievable career. Um, and so we, we, what we do is we analyze and rate any movie or TV show that's paranormal themed. We pick a new one each week. It could be old. It could be an old classic, or it could be something new streaming. We watch it. We talk about the paranormal themes that it brings up. We grade it. Basically we rate it on how well it portrays that, aspect of the paranormal. We'll talk about cases that are related to it, perhaps. And then in the second half of the podcast, we rate it. We review it just like film reviewers would. Uh, its merits on it, uh, how it stands as a film itself. And then we decided by the end, does it get a rated P for paranormal or do we give it a P for pass? No, thank you. And it's, it, it's, become, it's become really, it's taking off. Um, you know, there are a lot of podcasts that do like horror film reviews and there are a lot of paranormal podcasts, but I haven't found any that do specifically paranormal themed films, especially from two people who work in the business like Tony and I do. So I think it's kind of unique and it's fun and uh, we, we just love it. It's a labor of love and, and love it. I listen, I in doing, you know, doing my due diligence and a little homework for, uh, you know, I, cause I, I gotta admit, I knew about monster land. I hadn't got a chance to, to actually go listen to a bunch of those episodes uh, and in fact, I went back and I listened to the one you guys did with Ron Moorhead. Uh, oh yeah, today, yeah. And which blows my mind. Anybody that any of our listeners that want to really dig into a different kind of side of the of Bigfoot, I mean, listen to Ron Moorhead talk about the whole physics sort of thing. I mean, it's fascinating. It yes. really is. And and anybody that has never heard the tape, the Sierra sounds. Cool. I mean. That stuff right there is crazy. I mean, that's so crazy to to just imagine that there's things out there that we don't really know communicating like that. Because if you think that's just gibberish, you know, somebody you're you're mistaken. There's no way that's a language being spoken. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think but, they've, they've they've had they've had you know like naval intelligence uh, communication experts uh, analyze that and came to the same conclusion as far as i know yeah but but p for par- so I, so then i discovered that you had the p for paranormal and i i listened to the last episode uh, about the bigfoot movie <laughs> and, and well, let me tell you something because i mean we're you know not to get into too many, too much detail because you know, we're still working on, de- on uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but we're working on a on a Bigfoot movie. Uh, and I kept thinking, for God's sakes, if are we going to end up on P for paranormal? <laughs> how how do I not end up on this show? How do I how do I because if, for everybody out there, I mean, I was laughing out loud as I'm delivering mail. Now I do that quite often anyway because I'm half crazy. But, uh, uh, but I mean, you guys, I mean, if people want to really have some fun and maybe be saved from a bad movie or maybe hear about a movie that's, that's actually better than the title or subject matter suggests, go, go check out P for Paranormal. You will not be disappointed. It is hilarious. You got, I mean, you guys are a great team. 
you know, for sure. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Um, yeah, we love it. I, I would say this about that. In fact, this episode that we just did this week, uh, which which will drop, you know, the next 24 hours or so, we, we keep saying, like, we both work in the industry. We know, as a matter of fact, a lot of the films we've done, we we actually know people who are in these films and have worked with these people. So we're very careful not to just, like, we're not snarky reviewers. We just, like, you know, destroy things. We're constantly tripping over each other to apologize and to qualify and to say, look, we appreciate what it takes to make a film. We love the effort, you know, that, this and that. And, and, and then we say what our problems are with it. If there are any, some we've loved, there's only been two films in the, in the, you know, times we've done it and all the episodes we've done so far. And it's a fairly new podcast. Uh, I think we're at, I don't know, 12 or 13 episodes, something like that. But, um, there's only been two where the films kind of made us viscerally angry for, for things that we felt that, that we felt were like you know like racist or weird or 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 just yeah. like misrepresentation of the facts. But most of the time we sit there and go like, congratulations, you made a film. This is awesome, great job. But here's what we think you could you know here's where it went wrong maybe. So I think even if you were on rated P for paranormal, you'd be very happy with whatever we said about it. I, I really do because look, we, you know, we appreciate what it takes to make a film. And anyone who makes a Bigfoot film, let me say this, I applaud because there's not enough of them. There's not enough good attempts. Um, and just talking to you in the short time I've been talking to you, I could tell that you're intelligent and you'd at least give it a, a really sincere effort. Yeah. And that, I mean, and that's, that is the, the one thing that uh, either the production company and the people we're working with, that is the key is, is, we felt we felt like so many attempts at Bigfoot have failed because either the storyline was not good and the creature was pretty good or the creature was terrible and the storyline was good. Right. You know, and, and it, there was no like combo. And I don't and I got to be honest, I, talking to so many people about Bigfoot and listening to about the subject I really don't buy into – I don't want to go watch a movie where Bigfoot is this killer that's you know chasing down people camping out in the woods because right. I, don't, I don't feel that that's genuine. You right. know? And to yeah. me, scary is something that could really happen. I mean the mm -hmm. scariest things are the, the most real things, mm -hmm. and, and the unknown is way scarier than knowing that you know, some creatures, I mean, obviously not for the characters in the movie, right? <laughs> the fact that they're being torn limb to limb, you know, and I will, I will not lie. I've wondered how can I write Maddie Blake into this uh -huh. to avoid being lambasted. <laughs> lambasted. Uh, yeah. Tony and I are both uh, complete chills and uh, whores for uh, roles. So we, will, we will gladly give you a positive review for a role. I'll just I'll say I, listen, I and I will gladly remember that. And uh, and when I and when I take my meeting tomorrow to follow up, I'll make sure to mention. Uh, to mention There's a really interesting Bigfoot movie that I saw a couple of years ago called. I don't know if you've seen it in your research. It's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and the Bigfoot. Yes, and that and that was the one. That's the particular one where the story was the most intriguing. Incredible. But the creature was terrible. Well, it was. I wouldn't say it was terrible to me. I, I think it was a different interpretation. He wanted to. Well, it, 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 we could do a whole podcast on what he was trying to do with that film. But yeah, yeah, my yeah. point, my point in bringing it up is, at the very least, 
it was a character-driven, interesting attempt to tell the Bigfoot story in a new way. And he also definitely looked at the ramifications of if you were to try to hunt or kill a creature like that, what that means. And I hadn't really seen anyone attempt that. And so I, I think that was, there's a lot in that movie about what the environment is all about and what that creature could mean to a society if they do exist and, and what it does to a person to kill a living thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I just thought it was really a, a, you know, he stepped, the bases were loaded and he took a home run swing with that. Episode. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I want more of that type of, type of thing, you know? Yeah. And, and when I say the creature was terrible, I think the, the visual, like, now I understand in that story, not to, you know, I mean, it, it, they come out and say it. The creature's sick, so yes, yes. So it's he. he so he yeah. wanted to. I actually interviewed that guy, uh, the director, and he explained it that he wanted to. If if this thing that that it was had been in the forest for a long time, for years and years, and was sick, and it would probably be damaged by battles in the past with other animals, and it'd just be scarred. And so that was his kind of. Uh, a vision. It was. It was definitely different. Yeah, I mean, and anything with Sam Elliott is fantastic. So uh, I mean, so you can't go wrong with Sam Elliott for sure. And I, and it was such an interesting take on. I mean, the title alone is yeah. is enough. If you if that doesn't get you to at least watch the trailer, then something's wrong. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're not a real movie. Not a real movie. Folks. So so other so other than hosting those two shows and the two podcasts. I mean, what do you do with all your free time? <laughs> Not much. Uh, well, you know, I have, I have a family. Um, I, Oh gosh, I'm a, when I can, I, I love, I'm a passionate uh, golfer and I'm a drummer. I love to drum. It's probably my, like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hack drummer. I'm, I'm not uh Neil Peart, <laughs> but uh, I have a drum set in my, like, you know, man cave down here right off my, voiceover studio where I am sitting now and I just it's like my happy place either you know on the golf course or I'll come down for 20 minutes just put the headphones on and just go crazy and I, I really enjoy that I enjoy time with my family I I'm blessed enough to live on the water here and um I started paddle boarding I love paddle boarding and uh I I you know I'm a I'm a man of faith I'm a Christian and so I I try to I try to <laughs> I don't always succeed but I try to let that kind of dictate um, how I do things and how I operate. And um, I don't know, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. You, you, do you still live out in Massachusetts? Uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in Rhode Island, coastal Rhode oh, Island, Southern okay. Rhode Island. Yeah. I used, I used to live actually in Marion, Massachusetts for a short oh. time and worked in New Bedford and Fall River back in the back of a much younger, younger man. And it's uh, cool. like the Cape is the, I mean, I could. That's just such a great place. I have, you know, a lot of fond memories from that area. Other yeah. than the traffic, other than traffic, everything else. Everywhere has traffic now. It seems like, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, let's let's touch on Oak Island a little bit. Yeah. You know, and I know, and I know, because you're super involved in the show, there's not going to be any spoilers. But for our listeners who aren't from in and i mean because i could totally relate with is it was it it was dan blankenship and uh um rick and marty how the or the older it was a dave is the older one 
or Dan. I'm sorry. I thought you were trying to find the other blanket ship name. Go, go ahead. I interrupted yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Rick, you know, how they were drawn to it by that Reader's Digest article. Because mm-hmm. it takes me back to, you know, like, uh, and I don't know if they had them where you were growing up, but like the, the, the weekly scholastic book things where you could order mm-hmm books every friday and i would get the bigfoot and the ghost books and then i and i remember the one that had the story about oak island and i was just you know so fascinated because you you couldn't look up anything on the internet there was nothing like that back then in the uh oh god 70s was it geez anyway (laughs) anyway anyway so i totally relate to their you know being hooked by this you know story and thinking about this treasure quest for treasure their whole lives, you know, and, yeah. and I'm sure you have some insight on just how, you know, what an endeavor this is. Yeah. I mean, I think what's significant to mention uh, and what should always be kind of of note when you talk about their level of commitment is the fact that they were there for three years before the cameras ever came to Oak Island to film them. And that Kevin Burns, my friend and mentor and the one who hired me to do this job who recently just passed away, um, had to convince them over a period of time to even do it. Uh, he and a producer named Joe Lassard, Joe has kind of stepped into the massive shoes of, of Kevin Byrne figuratively, uh, and has, you know, kind of taken that role on, but Kevin was truly amazing and he was able to convince those guys to do the show. And, and so, I think that's very key because these people are not TV stars. They never wanted to be a Maddie Blake or a Josh Gates. You know, they were there <laughs> to, they were there to hunt for treasure, and uh, said no to the cameras. And I think that's why people. I think that's why it's the number one rated uh, cable reality show because people sense that. Yeah, it's real. I mean, it's real. It wasn't. It doesn't seem. Con- uh conceived or connived at all like mm-hmm. you know you know it seems like that's that they're there and, and we're just we just get to watch yes. you know yes so so what do you and this is just from you like what do you think is there like what do you really like think you know who was there who deposited stuff hmm. what do you think happened well, I have to be careful here uh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ahead of, I'm, you know, but my it's changed over the years. So now I answer that in a general sense. I can tell you this. I'm convinced that, like Rick, uh, it is more than just temporal wealth. Um, and if it is temporal wealth, if it is, you know, a precious metal, um, it would be not in a chest. It would be a, such a, a, a quantity or, or, or historical or religious importance, a religious document or secret knowledge, um, and big enough to warrant what it appears went on on that island. So for me, you know, long ago, the, the gold coins in a chest pirate thing has been usurped by the more, you know, ethereal, Theories. So I definitely think it is something of huge cultural, religious value, um, and yes, thereby monetary value at some point. Yeah. You know, and I, I just think the scale of it is way bigger than anything you would dig up in a in a box or chest. That's just my feeling. 
and the way the evidence seems to be pointing. Um, and so I, I think it's I think it's massive. And I think it's a story that will if, if they can solve this thing, I think it's a story that will change, truly change history. They already have. They've they've already changed kind of what people are thinking. You know, you look at the archaeologists that work on their very team. They've changed their minds as to what possibly could have gone on in Oak Island. So, yeah, it's it's going to it's going to if they can be the ones to solve this, which I think they are the team that has been, you know, paranormally, if you will, uh, knighted to solve this thing. I think <laughs> the team. I think it's going to be huge worldwide shaking news. Well, I sit there and, and you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, does it ever like when you guys are sitting there, you know, at the pub, do they ever sit back and just say, you know, this would really suck if somebody, if these guys snuck back at some point in history and took out of here what they, what they originally buried. And it's somewhere like in, uh, you know, in the, va- in the basement of the Vatican. Hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. I mean, that that comes up, you know, from when you when you kind of spitball possibilities. But I think now everyone is so focused on even if there's no quote unquote treasure, um, everyone is so driven by what the hell happened here. If we can figure that out, if we can figure out what was there, if someone did take it. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't think. But I, I, I truly believe that it's it's things were probably found there and spent from there, but I don't think that that's it. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, I told, yeah, I, t- I understand what you're saying. I because I think once somebody deposited something there, it was probably became a bank of so to speak of, mm. of, of many people depositing things because it was a great hiding place and it was convenient. It appears well, to be a convenient place to get to. It's a great point. And think of it like this. We always say like, well, you know, it was pre-Twitter, pre-internet, how they know. But not really, because if your job was maritime travel way back then, you know, 700 years ago, or maybe more, as we know, Vikings might have come over where we think they did now to, you know, North America. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's evidence that they did. So if that's your job, if that's your gig, you live on the ocean. We know pirates did it. They basically had a seafaring Twitter, if you will, where they exchanged information. They'd pull up next to each other and say, ah, go over there. <laughs> you know. So if, if, if that's your job, I mean, Oak Island, would it make sense that Oak Island becomes the kind of secret place that only the cabal knows about, you know? Yeah, and, and it absolutely. makes sense that maybe more than one thing was hidden there. Now I do have to just make a note. I cannot, I cannot write a part for you as a pirate because that was just a terrible. Pirate. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I'm. I got to work on that. I got to do a whole backstory. I got to do a whole backstory on that character first. Wooden leg patch. You know what are we doing? A parrot on the shoulder. I don't know. That's just you know, stereotype. <laughs> what's his motivation? What's his motivation? Rum. <laughs> what's his motivation? Pill- pillaging is my motivation. <laughs> uh okay so we can't you know i i definitely you know i think our list because we've had um um and you were I, you were on her show kim Mosier from booze and bourbon we've had oh. her on a couple we've had kim you know she and i are pretty pretty tight and uh we've had love, her on a couple times yes she's awesome love those so. girls they're awesome they're so much fun and just great spirit they love oak island uh oh. all in all in 
yes, yes, they're they're great. And and uh, but uh, so you know, we've talked a little bit Oak Island on here before, and, and people seem to seem to dig it. So I'm hoping that uh, um, I'm hoping they love it as much as we we do. Because I've been hooked, like I said, I've been hooked since I was eight years old, trying to figure mm-hmm. out. You know, when I heard about the the closed circuit television you know, picking up the hand or whatever in the water, down mm-hmm. in the water and stuff that, mm-hmm. that got me hooked. So yes, definitely, you know, Rick and Marty, I hope, and the rest of those guys see through, you know, what it is that they were sent there to find, you know, I do hope that, I hope at some point we get to, we get to figure, uh, figure out what happened there and that they're the guys that do it. You know, mm-hmm. especially, especially Rick being a retired mailman. I got to like, you know, you, you, <laughs> I mean, he could be in Florida with his socks pulled up to his knees, griping and complaining with the rest of the retired mailman. Instead, he's out there doing something. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I do. um, So how what got you into the whole um, paranormal field? Like, what's your what's your motivation for that? I mean, what what led you to that? Well, it's a lifetime it's a lifetime. Um, I grew up, you know, my grandmother, my earliest memories, you know, my grandmother talked about paranormal things like they were just commonplace. She, she believed she had a ghost in her kitchen. She named it Bridget. Um, you know, and I grew up Catholic and it was just saints and miracles and ghosts and, uh, ghost stories and 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 my grandmother talked about her mother in Ireland who, who who she believed she could have predictive dreams and my grandmother had predictive dreams and then I had one when I was little um, that was very intense an intense experience where I dreamed that my pet died and when I woke up from that dream the pet was dead and that definitely stopped me in my tracks. You know, that changed my little life, the course of my little life. And, and things like seeing in search of seeing Patty, you know, the Bigfoot look right at us. And I just remember the first time I ever saw the intro to in search of, I was done. I was, it was like, it changed me seeing that creature, whatever it was, I just had to know more, you know, like that type of thing. So like, like millions of others, you know, it's funny. I was thinking that that film, that Patterson Gimlin film is for so many of us, like I'm sure you guys, uh, it's it's our Reader's Digest Oak Island in a lot of ways. Yep. Right. Yep. And and, yeah. and it's yet to be disproven. And I I had a chance to interview Bob Gimlin um, and spend a weekend with him. So, you know, that's the basics of how it started. In my twenties, I saw a full body apparition, what I believe to be a full body apparition. So it's been a lifetime of I'm an experiencer. You know, so you can't. I don't know. I've tried to ignore it at different times in my life. I've tried to suppress it. Um, but I just, I couldn't. And, and it just keep coming back and coming back. And when the Oak Island thing came across my desk, as it were, uh, one of the things that, that Kevin Burns had put out there through the network was whoever this host is, like we want him to love a good, him or her to love a good mystery or be into, you know, maybe kind of strange, unanswerable things. And a producer that I worked with saw that and was like, oh my God, Batty. Like he won't shut up about UFOs and Bigfoot and mysteries and treasures, and, <laughs> you know. So I was kind of the right guy for the job. Um, I've always been like that. I've always been. If it's Loch Ness, Bigfoot, UFO, ghost, I'm in. Like I just, I just think it's the most important question 
because honestly, fellas, I guess it's a it's a search for God in a way. You know, if if that exists, then what else exists? You know, if 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 there's a creature that we can't explain in a different dimension or plane, then everything is in play. So I think it's the most fascinating question. It's it, to me, it's more exciting than sports or anything else. To talk <laughs> yeah, about. yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's well, a great analogy. Yeah, and I mean, and the in our other cohort, the judge. I mean, he had a dogman experience when we were in high school, mm. and he always and we call him the judge because he's an actual judge here where we live. He's a municipal court judge, and so he always says, "Listen, I I know what I saw, and if that exists, what yep. else exists? Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, what else exists out there?" That we don't want to, you know, don't want to know. No, so so you you just glossed over seeing a full body apparition. How do you just gloss over that? I mean, that's like that's like Rick and Marty saying, "Well, we found the Ark of the Covenant, but um, we also found like an old shoe." I mean, come on, how how do you how you're not going to tell us about a full body apparition? I mean, come on. Well, it's 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 difficult to talk about. Like I, I don't, I don't love talking about it. I, I, I will, I have no problem with it really, but it's like not something that I, I, I think I do try to gloss over it cause it was so intense and it had to do with a, a suicide. Um, so I, I worked in a home for, for boys. I, I, I want to be a police officer when I was, you know, growing up and, and through my twenties. And so I, at that point in my life was working at a facility that where juvenile offenders were and, there was someone at that property who had taken his own life years before I ever worked there. And they used it as kind of part of our training. Like this is what can happen to unattended, you know, people. We have to be very careful. You know, you have to take the job very seriously type of thing. And so um, one night I was the overnight shift with another staff member. I had heard other staff people talk about seeing this ghost figure. And, and I, I just kind of, to me, it just seems so cliche, you know, like, okay, we work in an old facility and someone killed themselves here and now people are seeing that person. You know, I, I just didn't, it's not that I thought they were lying. I just, I, it felt too cliched to me. And uh, I, I just chalked it up to people, you know, imagining things or whatever. But one night I was the overnight staff and um, I saw and heard something. I saw and heard what I believed to be, what I thought at the time was a kid escaping, like going down the stairs to, leave the facility, which happened from time to time. Kids would what we called a run. And so um, I followed it down the stairs. And when I got to the bottom of the stairs, there's only the front door and that's it. Nowhere else to go. And there was no one there. And I realized, oh, my God, I just saw it, too, because, <laughs> you know, other people had seen and heard that, you know, someone going down the stairs. So that really that is the one because that was the one that really changed me. Uh, at that time, I was going through kind of a rebel phase a crisis of faith in my twenties. And I was, you know, trying to sound smart by being an atheist or, or at least a, you know, mm-hmm. not an atheist, you know, you know, an agnostic at, at least. Um, and I was just trying to sound like a super intellectual. I'm like, well, you know, you know, Christianity's too simple for me. I have to be a Buddhist or whatever. You know, I was reading all these, you know, um, different religions. And I was called myself a Taoist at one point. I was just trying to be something I wasn't, I think. And when that happened, it just, uh, you know, that level of fear really does something to you. 
and and so that that really changed me in a lot of ways. That that's kind of fun. I mean, I, funny and not like a hilarious way, but it's it's funny how when you are at those points in your life where you do have some inner turmoil, how you know whatever it, you know whatever we want to believe in the higher power decides to send you a little reminder. <laughs> that you don't know as much as you think you know, mm. and there's somebody else in charge and, you know, kind of wake you up a little bit, you know. Oh, just well a little said. something to snap you snap you right back <laughs> on, on track. <laughs> well said. And the maddening part is it wasn't the last time, like, in my life where, you know, faith is, faith is doubt in a lot of ways. You know, faith comes and goes. It ebbs and flows because Constant unquestioning faith is really more like fanaticism. You know, I've heard people make the, the the equation, the analogy before that, you know, courage is no more the absence of fear than faith is the absence of doubt. If you're just courageous with no fear and just running into burning buildings with no fear, that's kind of that's more maybe crazy than brave. Right? I was going to say it's kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So so the truly brave have the fear and move forward anyway. And I think faith is like that. And I've actually been touched by the other side here and there. I've, I've had these type of experience and still a few years goes by and I'm questioning and my faith wanes and I hit rock bottom spiritually and emotionally again. And I start to think, well, maybe I made those things up. Maybe, uh, maybe I didn't see that. And then I have to be forced into the situation. So it's like, I don't know if you ever get there. I would say this. Um, my faith now is really a mature faith. Um, I make the analogy sometimes in my mind's eye, and I hope this isn't getting too deep, but like, I think the faith of my youth needed big ornate miracles and huge churches. And now I kind of see it as like a simple wooden room and, and it's, it's, it's based on solid ground, you know, and it's more consistent. Maybe it's less flashy, but it's more consistent. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's a great way to uh, that's a great way to look at it, you know, because there's nothing. I mean, even though it's the world's full of wonder and excitement and stuff, it's really, you know, what grounds you is is what brings you closer to to whatever it is your faith is, you know, because yeah. um, that's that's it. It's simple. At the end of the day, it's just you and whatever, you know, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, some big lights on a marquee and, uh, you know, whatever. It's just a simple you and you and your creator. And that's it. Yeah. You know, and it's simple as form. And now that everybody, and now that everybody is weeping. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, so going from that, did that lead you to like want to go? I mean, so you, you talk about monsters on your, on your, on your old podcast. Yeah. What, I mean, were you a researcher? Were you, uh, did you go out and, and, you know, actively investigate stuff to try to discover things? Cryptid wise. Yeah. Yes. That podcast actually kind of made me into that a little bit. Um, that started that journey of, of instead of just being a paranormal enthusiast, I kind of started becoming a paranormal I wouldn't say investigator because it wasn't consistent enough, but certainly I did field stuff and I interviewed a lot of people. I, you know, I almost became a, an advocate. I would say, I, I think that's probably the best description of my role now 
is a paranormal advocate because as an experiencer and with a little bit of a platform that I have, as much as I can, I always advocate for witnesses and for anyone who believes they saw something. I don't ridicule that. Um, you know, I don't take myself seriously, but I, I take the subject seriously. And um, so I think that's a good kind of lane for me to be in, like a paranormal advocate. That's an interesting way to, yeah, it's an interesting way to put that. For it's sure. like when people, when people, when people do, I'll give you an example of where I feel like that fits me. I've said this on, you know, some, some fairly big platforms. Um, you know, when people do the whole Bigfoot thing, oh, Bigfoot, you know, I'm like, okay, we live in a time of like cancel culture, right? And, and everybody is so wary of offending other groups. And yet you can do a Bigfoot story on the news and go, all those wacky Bigfoot hunters with their camo hats and their crazy theories about Bigfoot. I'm like, hold on, hold on. What about Native American culture? Because when you do that and you play the wacky music, you are kind of slapping them in the face because there's generations of Native Americans that, that firmly believe their ancestors dealt with these forest people, as Bob Gimlin calls them. So that's kind of where I get my advocate back up. And I go, hold on. Easy with the ridicule, you know, and I've well, also had I've also had guys who like cried in front of me, you know, guys here in Massachusetts where where we did the podcast, that old podcast. And I interviewed them like off the record and they, and they'll they'll tear up telling their and these are tough, you know, New England hardy guys who don't lie. And, uh, you know, when I hear that type of witness testimony, I'm sorry, it, it's it's I, I think it's incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't, and I, because I, you know, we don't, we don't get too, you know, there's people in our community who obviously know us and ask us about, and we don't, we, I've not gotten any real crap, for lack of a better, for lack of a better term, from people around here to say, did you feel kind of, I, I, I'll tell you, the only person that gives us crap is the judge's brother. Because the judge's brother is also a judge. He's like, you want people to hear that you guys believe in Bigfoot and Dogman and you're a judge? Wow. <laughs> He's like, that's exactly why we want people to hear it. Because we want people to understand that this stuff, whatever is going on, is really happening. And there's people out there that don't feel like they can talk about it because they are going to get ridiculed. Right. And uh, I mean, we had a lady on uh, from here in Ohio who had who had suppressed and not talked about a dog man experience in southern when she was like it was like since 1972 mm. and had yeah. four three other friends with her and the one friend that's still alive denies it happened he wouldn't he won't talk to her about it he was like I don't. so she had nobody to talk to discovered us came on and she's just like you know what I've reached an age where if my me telling my story get somebody else to tell their story. Um, I, I'm fine with it. Maybe other people can make fun of me, but I've lived with this for that long. Right. And it's, I shouldn't have had to, you know, I shouldn't have had to live with it for that. That's long. it. And the more people that can come forward, like the judge and like you guys and like me who, you know, it's very, it's changing. Like the whole Tic Tac UFO thing I've noticed that has changed a lot. Like, 
you're not the pariah you used to be at a party if you believe in this stuff. In fact, a lot of my friends that ridiculed me for being into for this for years, when that story broke, they, they started saying to me, like, so what's going on? The government thinks there's UFOs? What's going on, Maddie? And I'm like, you know what my answer to them is? Go look it up yourself, because I've been trying to tell you for 25 years. That's right. That's <laughs> <real>. <laughs> right? Isn't that, and I did hear, you You know, I heard you guys talk about that on the, with Ron Moorhead episode, sort of that whole thing. But it doesn't that blow your mind that the government comes out and admit, you know, something that would have, if this would have happened 30 years ago, the whole fabric of society would have fallen apart and nobody even seemed to care. Well, I'll tell you, it it, it fits in with, oh, not Graham Hancock. Who wrote Managing Magic? Come on, Maddie. Um, We don't. I'm I'm sorry. I'm drawing a a blank. (laughs) I'll think of his name as I'm telling the story, but he wrote Managing Magic. He's huge. Uh, I'm just drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Uh, But he, he, his theory was that, You know, over time, they have leaked certain things to us through media and through film and music and television so that when the long, slow disclosure starts to happen, we aren't running into the streets, tearing our hair out. We kind of go like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's how it happens, because we've seen it since we were six and we've seen it since the 50s, like these the creatures look like this. And maybe we contact them with music, like in threes, like in Close Encounters or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they plant this stuff. They, they disseminate it. And so when it does happen, people aren't as shocked. And it kind of backs that theory up the way it's kind of slowly being trickled out over the over the generations. Yeah, that that blue that blue, we had a we had a gentleman on that was saying some of that very same stuff of how Lucas and Spielberg and those guys had some inside information from NASA or whoever, and they kind of put some of that stuff in their movies Yes. to kind of soften the blow to us, to kind of make it so that it was just normal, just normal stuff that we saw and that we wouldn't be so shocked then when the truth came out. Yep. Yeah, it's almost like they were uh, seeding society. So that we can slowly mm-hmm. but surely get indoctrinated to it so that when they finally do release this information, well, then the world can go on. It's not going to be a big deal. Yep. yep. Uh, by the way, Grant Cameron is the author I was trying to think of. Sorry. Thank you. Grant Cameron. Grant Cameron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so, Maddie, what do you what do you think's next then? Because something, I mean, if they're slowly rolling this out, mm-hmm. what do you think is coming next? I think material is coming next. I think a piece of material that I think to the stars Academy already has, uh, maybe it's that element that Bob Lazar referred to. Um, maybe it's a piece of craft. I don't know, but I feel like, uh, maybe it's a piece from Roswell. I don't know, but I feel like it's going to be a tan. I think we need, cause pictures you can just debunk, even if they're real, how do you prove that it wasn't doctored with the technology we have, but a piece of material, that scientists, independent scientists can actually analyze and tear apart or try to tear apart. And it's not from this world that becomes then undeniable proof. Well, yeah, you go back to pictures or video, people still say Patty's fake. And how do you say that? I mean, how do you say that's fake? I mean, let me tell you something. Can I tell you a quick story about that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I spent the weekend with Bob Gimlin on his birthday uh, a couple of years ago at a Bigfoot conference and I got to interview him and, you know, we had a birthday party for him and 
you know, we, we had a couple, uh, couple cocktails at night and we're at a table and I just said, I leaned in, you know, you know, as a three of us. And, um, I just, I just said, it, it was real. Well, like, you know, I said something to that effect, like you didn't, I don't think you're capable of like being in on a lie, you know, but and I'm sure a million people have done this to him, like just between you and me, you know, <laughs> and, and this, this man looked me in the eyes and he said, if there was a hoax, I didn't know nothing about it. I didn't know nothing about it. And he just had, he was like, just oozing sincerity. And I'm like, all right, at the very least, I believe that, <laughs> you know, and then, and then, yep. and then you get into the creature and all that and the science of it and the musculature. It, it, to me, it's, it's pretty undeniable proof. But to your point, the fact that people can still say, well, it could have been done this way and this way. And this way. they'll just never until we, until you have one. And then even then people will say the government is, is faking it you know, or whatever. I don't know. People, you know, hate is going to hate, as I say. Yep. You're right. But, Hey, back to back to the Bigfoot movie. We don't. There's not really even that good of Bigfoot suits now for movies because it would cost it would cost so much money that he could it couldn't afford to make the movie. Someone said the year that you've probably heard this. Yeah. The year that the, the year that that film was made, Patterson Gimlin, mm -hmm. the cutting edge technology in Hollywood was Planet of the Apes. Exactly. That was, that was the, like the top of the line that we had. And go look at those. Go look at those costumes and look at Patty. And you tell me that it was a, a Hollywood special effects or two guys in the woods who want to pull one over on us. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not buying that those are real apes in the plan of the apes. <laughs> no, no. It was, clearly, I mean, it was yeah. Paul Lind in a blonde suit. Like, please. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, hey, Ohio's own Paul Lind. Let's not Love forget. That well, <laughs> Planet of the Apes is very entertaining, but we know it wasn't yeah. real. I mean, it's about that. Right. There was no musculature built into the interiors of those costumes, put it right. that way. And then the way they how the, the how it flexed when when, yeah. it, when it tried to run, you can't re you can't reproduce that. I mean, that's right. that's real. Agreed. I can't even reproduce how I my muscles flexed when I was eighteen and tried to. run. <laughs> Well, that's, that's just one or two many pizzas right there, my friend. <laughs> I will not lie. I will not lie. <laughs> I so I think it's interesting that you, that Maddie, that you think that maybe some material from a spaceship or something. Like I would almost think, or they would just show us a recovered alien body. You know, I mean, yeah. Or or is that would that just be the also fall in the well? It's just fake. Well, I, I feel like I feel like they want to, if we're right, that they're slowly walking us down this path so that we don't freak out. I think material would be first. You know, I think that the alien admitting that we've been in communication with aliens for some time would be the very last thing in this long, slow process, if that's what's happening. Uh, you know, I never thought that we would get closer to really knowing the truth about UFOs and aliens than uh, before the Browns won a Super Bowl. But <laughs> I do, I, I gotta say, we may. It, it seems less come, likely. <laughs> I know. We may come, make a good. So, so in your, you know, all your years of, of you know, dealing with the paranormal and, and your experiences, what's the one thing that you, have not 
got to experience that you'd really like to um, have happen? Like if you could, like your wish list of stuff that, you know. You know, I would like to do. So I think my squatching days are pretty much over because I had an experience squatching that, that kind of frightened me to the point where. Oh, no, wait a second. You glossed <laughs> over the squatching experience too? Well, I can make this, I can make this very brief. We, I, we, I was at a Bigfoot conference. We went out squatching in the woods and we had like a light anomaly experience. We saw orange orb. Uh, we saw two red, what looked like glowing eyes at about eight feet through the thick, thick brush in the middle of nowhere and felt like we were being watched and tracked. And so that I was like, OK, I'm good with that, because to me, that felt like a paranormal experience, not like uh, that wasn't an eight, uh, undiscovered North American great ape in the woods. It felt to me paranormal, like almost like haunted forest type of thing. So I think. Going deep into the woods at night, I'm okay with for now. Um, and I, I don't want another apparition experience, anything like that. Um, you know what would be really fun? I would love to go to Loch Ness and 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 just be there. And um, the, the whole like Aleister Crowley thing, I'd like to see that, uh, where that property was. And it's just, it's that that always uh, comes to mind when people ask me for kind of bucket list paranormal trips. I, I, I got to go to Loch Ness and, and I will. Yeah, I would like to visit Loch Ness, but I would also love to see the Skidwalker Ranch. Oh, that okay. would be the place right there. <laughs> Prometheus show, yes. Yes. Yes, it that, uh, I'll tell you what, that that the stuff that goes on there or seems to go on there, I I'm not sure I have a strong enough uh innards that place is a nexus for all kind of uh paranormal activity so there's a there's an executive producer that works on that show uh, now he's become a brother to me i've been working with him on O'Gown for six years he also works on skinwalker ranch jason shook and he has been he has been uh i was just with him recently uh working on something and he was asked by someone who was in our group like so you think there's something going on in skinwalker he's like yep and he is not one of us. He is not one of us. You know, not that he's he's not a cynic or anything, but he just he just kind of I think is not like super into the paranormal or anything. And he's been kind of like I can just tell you what I saw, and and, and then he tells what he, that what they've seen, and he he's like something's going on there. Something right. is going on at Skinwalker, and that's compelling. Like that's the most compelling witness. Yes, when you a, have a witness like that, right? that is a very yes. compelling witness. Yes, yes, because if we see something, we're all believers. You know my God, we do podcasts about it. Like yeah. people are going to go like, okay, yeah, the wacky guys think there's something, but if you have a, like someone who either <laughs> doesn't believe or is agnostic and doesn't really even think about it or care that much. And there they see something that's compelling. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then it's like, welcome to the club, you know? Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, they're still coming to grips with it. Probably they'll probably just sit there with an amazement look on their face, and uh, they won't make any more comments after that. Right. I mean, look, it uh, in in you know when we started our podcast, Jason had never experienced anything. Very true. And we and we had you know we had all you know me and the judge and uh, had had some experiences and since have had some experiences, but we're always like to Jason, like careful what you wish for. You know, and, and he's like, oh, I just want to experience something. Then once <laughs> something happens, it's like, wow, this is way different than what I 
what <laughs> I even expected. Exactly. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. I mean, he had he had something touch him on a ghost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, in, in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, what, had, I forget the date of that place. Uh, what was it? It was an old part of the building. It was like made in the 1700s. Yeah, it was an it old was the, theater. Yeah, it was yeah, the yeah, Raw. Yeah. What was it called the Rawls? Uh, the Ross. Uh, Roar. I think it was the Roars Opera House. Yeah, so that's it. it. The Roars Opera House. Yeah. And, it's, and uh, yeah, he was like a kid in a candy store. Like I got touched. Yeah, like, 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 you can't really you can't really describe it because there was something there, and which is not the sensation that you would think like if a person had grabbed your arm or touched you on the thigh, it's like an energy source. It's like some kind mm-hmm. of a force. It's like, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to describe because you've never experienced anything like it before, Wow! but it definitely wow. was something. It was some type of force. It was something that I couldn't see it, but the EMF meters were going off and uh, some of the other instrumentation that they had, and they were able to track it, come right over by me and track it as it left and dissipated and left out of the theater. My goodness. Yeah, and I was just the recipient of the one. For some reason, I was the one that it chose to come near. And then when it when it when it touched me, it's like you feel it through you. It's sort of like uh, if you ever been around high voltage. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to always get shocked, but you know, ever stuck a ever stuck a knife in the toaster? Oh well, no, I never did that, but I stopped. I stopped a sibling from doing that. <laughs> well, don't do it because that's what I, exactly what I imagine happened. okay but it wasn't that it wasn't that it was painful it was just a sensation of power that um you really can't explain it's not something that you can reproduce you have to you have to experience it it's yeah that's about the best way i can say it in in short Mm. that's fascinating yes and in that being said, I don't, you know, in hearing Maddie tell his story, I don't think you'd have enjoyed that figure turning around and running back through him just so he could share the same experience. <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. No, it kind of messes you up. You can tell that you're, uh, you're, uh, something's different about you afterwards. It's, you, mm. you don't feel exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, Maddie, I listen. We could talk to you all night long, but I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you have a lot of other things to do. I can't believe you, you could fit us in your schedule. Um, a lot of prep work for this uh, big speech you got coming up for the postal employees. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but but I'm glad I'm glad we could get have you on and, and just talk some paranormal stuff and that you shared you know, some of your experiences with us. Because, oh yeah. It was like captivating. Said, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a real thing to, to tell people, yes. you know, share that with, share that with people. Yep. Yeah. And, and don't sleep on the, uh, next time I come on, if, if you guys will have me, we'll talk about the specific, uh, paranormal aspects of Oak Island because it is, you know, I, I always say, I said this to Kim when I was on her podcast, I distinctly remember saying, you know, you, you, you can't, you're not telling the complete story of Oak Island unless you include the paranormal aspects because people claim them and they have been claiming to have paranormal experiences on Oak Island, me being one of them, for hundreds of years. So it's part of the story. Now, whether you believe those things are real, 
that's a different story. But the witnesses believed they were real. So right. I think it's it's a it's a compelling piece. I mean, the name of the show is The Curse of Oak Island. That's a that's a paranormal leaning uh, title right there. So yeah. Well, and I mean, just the fact that that we're talking in maybe treasure that is of a religious significance or even other treasure that may have been gotten by means that were forceful <laughs> yeah. to be the very least mm-hmm. like what is attached to that treasure mm-hmm. that may be oh yeah mm-hmm. hey that now that sounds like a great episode to me the the real curse of oak <laughs> island is uh is the paranormal yeah that sounds great Maddie, you are welcome to come back anytime. I look, I look forward to that. <laughs> thank you. You guys are great. I appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Now, now do, you, do you want to tell? Do you want to tell our listeners like where they can, you know, see yeah. you at next, and tell them where they can go find uh, P is for Paranormal. Yeah. So my podcast, Rated P for Paranormal, is available everywhere you pod. You know, Apple Podcasts, all the usual. Uh, places. Um, you can find me on social media at the Maddie Blake. So two T's at the Maddie Blake. I have a Facebook fan page, uh, Maddie Blake fan page on Facebook. And I do sometimes, and I'm going to do it. Uh, if anyone's listening, that's an Oak Island fan. As the season winds to an end here, as we record this heading into April, sometimes I do right after the Oak Island episode, uh, usually on nights where I have a special on, I will do a Facebook live and answer questions. And those are big hits. People really seem to enjoy that. So uh, follow me on Facebook on my fan page. And um, yeah, if you, if you were a fan of beyond Oak Island, the spinoff show that I did with Rick and Marty and Gary Drayton and others, um, I would be, I would be optimistic that there might be more of that to come. I know I'm very optimistic that there's more of that to come. So stay tuned. Any announcement to that end, I would put on my social media uh, platforms. I, I have like at least three episodes on my DVR that I'm ready to binge watch those because listen, if you can't, you can't get enough of Maddie Blake or Gary Drayton. I mean, that dude is so cool. I mean, I just like to have him come dig around in the backyard just for the heck of it. Shane, I can see you sitting out there with a lawn chair and and a a hat on your head with some binoculars (laughs) just watching him, too. (laughs) I would say have a lawn chair and a couple pints ready if he's coming home. There you go. (laughs) Well, Maddie, thank you so much. And I hope all of our fans go go check you out on all that stuff. And and, uh, I definitely, the rated P for, for paranormal is fantastic if you especially if you want to have a good time because uh you know we're guys that like to have a good time and so we wouldn't just uh, steer you wrong if you uh you know if you listen to us we don't want to we don't want to have a bad reputation for not knowing what we're talking about at least not when it comes to at least not when it comes to podcast anything else i can't hear (laughs) you guys are great thank you keep the faith all right yep thank you thank you all right have a good day bye bye Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.